Hello and welcome to the Guru Is You podcast. I'm your host, Laura Wall. This podcast is all about people who found unconventional methods to heal themselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Their stories contain a little bit of mystery, maybe some magic, and even miracles. And they're here to inspire you to remember you are more than your body. You are more than your mind. You are the guru, and the guru is you. Today's guest is a mom, a musician, and a drumming teacher. Chatting with her is like a dose of sunshine, which makes sense because she is the founder and facilitator of the Soul Shine Rhythm Experience. Join me in welcoming my friend Susie Thompson. Susie, I know that you were really challenged by something, and what I'd like to know is what was the turning point in your healing where you realized you just had to do something different than you'd ever tried before? It's an interesting approach to healing that I experienced because I didn't realize that I was in need of it until the people in my life pointed it out to me. And I can, I remember the exact moment where my big brother, who I respect and admire so, so much, he was visiting and he said to me, Susie, what happened to your fire? And I was just like, somebody saw that my fire was extinguished and now I had to talk about it. And really what was happening was I was living in an abusive marriage and I didn't know it. And it had gotten to that point where it was time to make some decisions. It was time to either address it openly with my spouse or it was time to start thinking really seriously about an exit strategy. And certainly nobody gets married with the intention to potentially have to end a marriage. You know, like I didn't even cross my mind. So it was a big, it was a big pill to swallow to go, wow, I'm in an abusive marriage. How did I get here? How do I get out? And recognizing that there's going to be some work on the other side of that. Even, even being in it, I knew that there was going to be a healing necessary. So Mm -hmm. what a kindness your brother gave you in those words and, and saying that he noticed a difference in you without assigning any blame to you or making you feel guilty, but just helping bring it to your awareness. And so with that, it sounds like you started to look at things um, differently so take me back a little bit to the beginning, because you said, and I agree, nobody signs up, you know, with marriage and go, oh, the expiration date is here. Okay, I gotta, let's see right. how we can get through this. <laughs> but instead, they expect, you know, to be with a partner for a very long time. Yeah. So take me back to the beginning of where you kind of see that um, things went off the rails a little bit, and and you started getting in this bad place. Yeah. Well, and that's again is what's so interesting about the healing process, and I believe that it it's it, it continues right because um, these new awarenesses pop up as we grow, and I think for me, if I had to go all the way back, it really was at the very beginning where I could have seen the signs with the knowledge that I have now. However, when I started to really feel it in my body, in my heart, 
when I started to feel the sadness of, oh, this isn't really what I signed up for, uh, was probably around the time I got pregnant. And uh, he had gotten a promotion and we moved away from where we were living, which was in the LA area. We moved up to the San Francisco area. I didn't know a soul up there. And I shortly after moving found out I was pregnant. I was married about three years. Right? Three years? Yeah. (laughs) Are you asking me? (laughs) (laughs) Three years. And um, instead of being filled with joy, and I've always been a uh, person that moves around a lot. Like I can just plop me into any city. I'll find friends. I'll find a, a group. I'll find, I'll be happy. I love to explore. I love the adventurous part of moving to a new city. And because I wasn't feeling that, that's kind of what hit me at first. I thought, man, I'm just blue. I just feel sad. I feel really unsupported. I feel really sad to be going through this without my friends. But more importantly, I thought maybe it was going to be more joyful with my husband. And I started to feel like something was off. And because I'm the type of person for better or worse that uh, often looks at my what I'm bringing to the table first before I start looking at others. And that's a lot of how I was raised. I mean, we can get into that, <laughs> talk about marital examples, but I was conditioned to go, okay, what am I doing wrong? And so I did a lot of that self-examination and in retrospect, just did it for far too long, you know, like, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this with the work I do and, and the modality that brought me to healing, but I see that so, so, so much, how we give others the benefit of the doubt for so much longer before we realize that, wait a minute, yes, I'm partially responsible for what's going on here, but it's certainly not all me. And that was really what um, made me realize that to to answer your initial question, that what I was feeling in my body was letting me know that I wasn't happy. So. So you have this awareness that you're kind of isolated and you're not behaving in your traditional amazing Susie way, which is, (laughs) Hey, I'm in a new place. Let me connect. Let me make friends. Let me, let me find out what this, um, what this environment's about. And you sense that in your body, you let yourself feel those things. You felt that sadness what happened to that? Did it, did it prompt you to do anything or, or what? Well, at that time I just went through the motions, right? I made the most of the situation because I wasn't really ready to say, Oh, it's my marriage. You know, um, it was really, it's not really the time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, exactly. And then you think, and you, we make those, we make those excuses too, where we go, Oh, well, this will change when we get settled. Oh, well, this will change when the baby gets here or this will change when we buy a house or so on and so forth. And what I started to experience was that it wasn't getting better. Um, and in the middle of that, I was also growing a person (laughs) inside of me. So it all kind of came to a head when, so the baby was born, um, healthy and fun and beautiful. And there's that exciting, you know, joyful moment there. I had family around who flew out to celebrate and and be supportive. And then when they left, those blues came back and I just felt, okay, so, so, so alone. Um, And then after we made the decision to move to Texas, which came shortly after the baby was born, we got here and I had another opportunity. I'm in a new place. I get to explore and all these different things. And now I had a little person to do it with. And then I realized quickly that it was just me and the little person and the- Your son. My son, uh, who was six months old at the time when we moved here. 
And my husband seemed to be going through something of his own. And in my efforts to be the supportive wife, you know, I again put myself in the back seat. He seemed depressed. He was doing self-destructive behaviors. And I didn't have the guts to call him on it because I was precarious once again in a new city. And I think it's interesting you bring up the isolation piece because in retrospect, this is precisely what abusers do. They take you out of your comfort zone, doesn't matter how strong and independent you are, because I was, and they put you in a place where you don't have support. So I had no family, I had no friends, all I had was him. And so being in the new city again, being Austin, I tried it again. Happy face, let's have fun, let's explore. I made new friends, I met new moms, I tried to get my business off the ground, uh, was doing all of the things, and and still that sadness lingered. Um, because I had no safety, you know, no security, no connection at home. Now I will tell you, this is all a lot of this awareness <laughs> comes in in retrospect. But what yes. was very real and palpable at the time was the 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 um what's a good word for? It? I was trying to think of an all-encompassing word that would say there's disappointment, there's sadness, there's loneliness, there's all of these things this disappointment, you know, because you say disconnection. Yeah. Yeah. Because all those things come with disconnection. You're not feeling fully connected to your partner. Mm-hmm. And then being around all of the other mothers and new families and husbands, it started to really be a mirror for me. And I thought, whoa, our marriage is not in a good place. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you don't, necessarily compare. I know everybody's different, but it became evident that eh, this wasn't such a good, such a good thing. Um, so I did that for three years. Um, it wasn't until my son was three years old that that visit with my brother happened to be both my brothers visiting actually. And they both kind of came to me. And what was beautiful about that is I knew things were bad at that point. Mm-hmm. But I came from a world where it's my marriage, my problem. I didn't want to burden anybody with it. I'll figure it out. My parents' marriage wasn't, you know, a Hallmark card. (laughs) So it wasn't exactly like I had this example of, you know, it was supposed to be. So mine didn't seem that off for a while. Um, But then when my brother said that to me, it was like, oh, now I got to talk about it. And like you said, I've, forever grateful. It's just, this is the first time I think that I can talk about it now and <laughs> not cry about it. Just because I think about yeah. my brother saying that to me. And I remember being like, oh, you, you know, now you know. But A very gentle intervention. Yes. And once we get into, you know, the meat of my modality, there, there's some interesting synchronicities there too, but I'll let you take the yes. lead on that. <laughs> well, I'm I'm hearing the pattern. I'm hearing some of the things that you're saying with, like you said, the isolation, you know, and even moving to Austin, still not knowing people and, you know, um, and the, the patterns that you already had in your own personality and, and the, the training that we get, which is watching a marriage, usually our, our parents or something else. And that doesn't always equip us. And so we cope and we cope 
by using some of those little voices that go, well, you know, just wait it out, you know, let's, let's try this, let's try that. Because, you know, we as moms, you're a problem solver, right? The baby's crying, okay, we need to figure out what's wrong. Um, and that is a natural internal voice that comes along to try to help move things along. But you, you were seeing these patterns, you, it, it almost makes me think, Susie, like, you had this secret that you needed to keep and that once you figured out all of the solutions to it, then you'd be ready to talk. But it was really your brother showing up and saying, I, I see, yeah. I see you yeah. and I know you and I know who you really are. Yeah. You know, almost like he missed, he missed his sister and mm -hmm. he was doing it very compassionately out of love. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate what you just said about the coming up with the solutions and then we'll talk about it. And that's, that's exactly how I operate. <laughs> I still do. And, you know, now that I'm remarried and in a relationship, you know, in a marriage after 10 years of not being married, I realize, wow, I really just am so independent in that sense where I'll just go figure, figure out the, the solutions and then we can, then I'll tell you about it. So I'm trying to get better <laughs> about that. Let's talk before I solve the problem. <laughs> yes. Now you have a team. And yes, from what it sounds like before, you weren't on a team. And you didn't have that kind of reliance on that person that you could solve problems together. So mm -hmm. you're kind of unlearning some of that as you're approaching this new marriage. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to hear how you solved this problem, this um, this difficult, um, unfortunate marriage where you were with someone who was abusive. What was the what was the turning point that led you to this solution? And what was the solution? Well, one of the things that I learned about myself from that time, and I'm actually pretty proud of this, like there are certain things that I know really make me happy um, in terms of interests and activities, right? And I will go to those when I feel terrible. And fitness and music are probably, if I had to simplify it, are the two things. So I was really focusing on, um, I was a stay-at-home mom, so I had the, 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 um, access to go running. I'd go to the parks. I would take Jackson in a stroller and, and just run. I started racing. I started doing adventure racing and, um, uh, I would just take Jackson everywhere I went. So that way it was doable. So that was one element of it. And then the other part was getting involved with the other moms groups. And that is how I came to find out about the music class, specifically the drumming class. And I have made music um, pretty much my whole life. You know, I was played an instrument from the time I was eight years old up all the way through college. And that was one of the things that I stopped doing around the time that I met my husband and married my husband was I kind of had put that over there somewhere. So I found I'm out pause about you there for a moment. Yeah. I'm going to pause you there for a moment because okay. I think that's really important for the listeners to hear, um, especially if they are in a, a relationship where they start to see patterns. And they go back and they, they start looking at things a little bit. I think that's one of the things that happens to us, regardless of whether we're in a great marriage or not great marriage or a partnership, or even if we're just, you know, flailing about in life on our own, that when we notice what we're not doing that we used to do, that was really part of us. Mm. I think that's a huge flag flying for us. And you saw that that it had gotten left by the wayside. And these things do as life changes and evolves, like mm -hmm. we're not always going to do the same things. But if it has been 
left out too long and it's calling to you, which it mm-hmm. sounds like this was, yes. um, then it's time to bring it back around. And, and there were these moments of courage where certain things would come up that were meant enough to me for me to go to him and say, hey, can I do this? Because that's the kind of relationship it was where I would be asking for permission. And sometimes I would come and say, I'm doing this. And in this instance, that was one of those things. And again, that's another remembrance from in retrospect, you know, I didn't necessarily say in the time, look at me, I'm empowered. You know, I just, <laughs> I just did it because it felt, I felt very fierce about it. So, well, and we, what I hear there is the fire. Yeah. I hear this little flicker of fire saying, this is super important. I have to do this. So I'm going to say the words that I might not usually say Mm -hmm. so that I can get to the thing that's really important to me. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what's in the body. I I feel like for me, it was not a cognizant uh, acknowledgement of what I needed as much as it's just like in, in your belly where you're, and I remember the, the butterflies that I got the day that I said it to him. And so found out that this woman was going to be teaching a West African drumming class. And the group of women that I would do activities with, with the new moms group, uh, we made a plan to all go. And it was her her inaugural class. We were, so we were part of the, the beginning of this for her. And I had dabbled on hand drums before, but I really was very interested in learning the origins and the history. And so I was just, I'm, I'm there, I'm there, I'm in. So I went and fell in love with it and began attending weekly drum classes. And spoiler, spoiler alert, <laughs> of all of the women that were involved in that group, um, nobody came back. I stayed for 10 years. So that was kind of <laughs> the awakening for me. But I was I was attending those classes while I was married. And every week I would get a babysitter in the event my husband couldn't be home in time. And some weeks he did, some weeks he didn't. Some weeks he was angry and what didn't want me to go. On those weeks, I took my son with me. So I just, it became for me my, uh, gosh, it, not only an outlet, it, it's hard to explain. It became a necessity. And the image I have in my mind is you planting your flag on a hill. Like you were taking a stand. Like, I have to do this for me. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I was. And when when I look back at it in retrospect, which it's so hard, it's so hard not to look at it with the eyes that I have now and see where that taking a stand launched me into the purpose of the work that I do now. But so, so grateful to her. (laughs) You know, I sometimes I have these moments when I think about her and I think, and I have such compassion. I'm like, yes, you did. You did the best you can do. And that was all you could do was to say, I'm going. And I went her. And when you say her, you're referring to a former version of yourself. Yes. <laughs> Past Sue's. <laughs> Past Sue's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine the turmoil that must have created the tension in an already tense situation for you to take that stand and to make all those arrangements 
and then to go and do something that was so fulfilling. Did any of that, and I, and again, I've been in drum circles before. I, I know that feeling that you fill up with. What would happen when you take all that good energy back home? How did it change the dynamics there? Well, that's really interesting. Honestly, I think it had more to do with just sustaining me to get through until the next class. Um, it gave me a tool in which to something to look forward to because I knew there was going to be another opportunity to be with those people. And I think that's an important component as well is the class, the way the class just kind of fleshed out, it was mostly women. It was mostly women who were 10, 15, 20 years my senior. I was I was a little baby. <laughs> I was like 32, something like that. And so I remember listening to their stories and listening to them share and getting these glimpses into their difficulties and things that they had overcome. And I, nobody knew my story there. Nobody knew what it was going on at home. And I could be myself there. I was joyful. I was an overachieving drum nerd because I wanted to be <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I wanted to be the teacher's pet. No, I, I, I just really wanted to excel. I wanted to There's get- no front row at it. drum circle. There's no front row <laughs> on drum circle, is there? No, not really. <laughs> but my own, my own self-competition, it felt good to inspire myself again, I, I think, to, to remember that, hey, I am good at something and I can, I can learn and I can be better. And the more engaged I got with that group, the more opportun opportunities arose because she started a performance group and asked me to be a part of it. And so that meant gigs. So that meant more opportunities to drum. And so more opportunities to get out of the house, more opportunities to, to have this outlet. And so that community of women became, unbeknownst to them, they became my support group during that time. Yeah, I see a lot of beautiful, natural, uh, uh, intuitive occurrences happening here, which um, you you went back and found the thing that made you feel more whole, made you feel more like yourself, which was music and specifically drumming. You found a group of people, a support group, and not just not just moms, but you found women that were older than you and had more wisdom and experiences to share. It, it doesn't sound like they were overtly getting in your business and telling you what to do, but I'm sure there was a lot of things that they said that had an impact on you and how you wanted to, you know, what direction you wanted to take your life. And then the performance aspect, you know, I, I've, I've been in situations with, um, not so good boyfriends who were real clingy. And the thing that you almost need is kind of like an excuse. And until you're able to find your words and take that stand, you kind of need a thing to tell them that you're going to go do. So here you were able to spend more and more time away from someone that was not helping you become your very best self that was, uh, you know, reducing you or confining you or constricting you, but you mm -hmm. were moving more towards the people, the energy and the activities that were helping you grow and expand and move back to who you really are. Absolutely. Very, very 
well said. And building up that confidence over that time period of participating with that group just gave me more and more awareness of what I needed to do. Like if I really wanted to get better, I was going to have to leave this marriage. And if I was going to leave this marriage, I was going to have to figure some stuff out. I was going to have to figure out getting back to work. Where am I going to live? What am I going to do for money? Um, and getting myself educated on the law. <laughs> How do you get divorced? Like all of these things started stacking up and having that space to drum because it is such an active meditation and your brain can kind of reboot. It, you're not necessarily thinking about the problems that you're trying to solve when you're in that meditative space of drumming. However, it's like a reset and you can shake up those neural pathways and train your brain to think differently. And I started training my brain to think that I have a choice. That's huge. That's huge because I know what happens in those type of abuse situations is people are so fearful that they disconnect from their creativity, they disconnect from their identity, they're up in their head, like you said, they're not necessarily in their body. Um, they, they feel very disconnected from the world. And as a result, they can only see with those little blinders on, and they can only see what's in front of them. And they think, very naturally, they think this is all there is there. These are my choices. I stay here, or I leave and terrible things happen. Yeah. And, 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 we fall into that that box that that very confining box of not believing there's anything more and i'd love to hear cuz you and i talked a little bit before about all of the nerdy science i know i've got some nerdy people out there that'll enjoy this <laughs> um the nerdy science behind the drumming because my introduction to drumming was with a women's group. Um, our, our mutual friend, Kim Goyette had uh, a drum circle at uh, a women's retreat. And I kind of thought, yeah, yeah, whatever, some music, some entertainment, we'll dance around, whatevs. And I was kind of startled by how mesmerizing it was, how even though it was loud, it was soothing at a very subtle level and it really helped me feel connected to the people that I was around, even though these were women I just met, you know, the day before. Mm. So can mm -hmm. you speak into a little bit about the science and the neural pathways and all yeah. the nerd stuff <laughs> about why drumming helps you heal, especially yeah. healing from an abusive situation? Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think in order to talk about that, it's important to go all the way back to the beginning, right? And our birthright, which is an intrinsic sense of rhythm. You know, the very first sound we hear is our mother's heartbeat. And not only is it the very first sound we hear, but we all have that experience. That is our universal collective truth. We all start life out that way. So from a from a primal perspective, you know, you're you're getting real down to roots. And roots equals safety, security. You know, when you have that connection to what the drum represents in our ancestors' culture. So if you go I'll go back and say 
Drums have been a part of every civilization since the beginning of civilization. Doesn't matter where you're from, what part of the world you're from, you can go back and find drumming in one form or another. And so it was the tool with which we gathered to share our stories. And combined with the drum, we had movement and we had, well, fire. (laughs) So fire brought the people together. The drum built the community, right? So it became there was fire, there was probably food. I'm really big into food. So I'm (laughs) guessing there was maybe some feasting that went along with the drumming. (laughs) Absolutely. And it became a part of all of the important rituals and rites of passage and even predated verbal language. So there's a very deeply rooted connection that we all have with drumming, whether we've physically done it ourselves or not, but it it is is so much a part of our uh, collective culture. And then it's rhythm itself is really the backbone to all music, right? So that is the, the cohesion point. That's what we all latch onto. When you are dancing, you, your body's connecting to the rhythm. You're not, you may love electric guitar and guitar solos, but that's not what you're rea- reacting to when you're dancing. You're reacting to the kick drum, that deep resonant bass tones. And that is what is locking in to your body's response, right? So that's the movement piece. So when you're drumming, you're connecting these two elements of the physical act of drumming and then the somatic, the sensory feeling of feeling the rhythm in your body. So it becomes a matter of mind-body integration. And everybody's going to have a different experience with that in terms of, um, because we all have a different story when we're coming into those interactions with the drum. I can speak to mine, which was, I want to do good, right? (laughs) So I want to play, I want to perform well. I want to be a good drummer. And so I wasn't going into it for the healing benefits, which was a byproduct that I learned about later. However, the bonding that you speak of, that's exactly what's happening there because we're also talking about vibrational frequencies. We're talking about the energy that's created by those frequencies and aligning everybody on that same energetic level. And you're not only physically feeling that in your body, but all of your senses are engaged. So you're listening to what's going on around you. You've got the physical touch of the drum. And then when you think about how you respond to what you're hearing, you're creating a conversation with the um, uh, people around you. So if you, we say like, if you have one drummer, you have a solo. If you have multiple drummers, you have a conversation. And so when you're listening to what's going on around you, whether you're cognizant of who you're responding to, you are responding to somebody in that circle and there you become connected. And imagine that happening constantly. The whole time you're all drumming together, you're responding to what's going on. So it's just this constant flow of information throughout the circle that creates this unified. I always envision there's that moment in a drum circle where we call it, we get entrained, which means you're all connected together in the rhythm. And there's just this spark, this electrical moment where you can feel it. We're like, yeah, we're there. And in my role as a facilitator of that moment, um, 
I also have to be aware that not everybody is an experienced drummer, right? So it doesn't matter if it sounds like the best music you've ever heard. It's about being connected. And so that's what's happening from the the connection level. Um, do you want me to Everything. go on and talk about the brain or do you ever want to add something to that? <laughs> well, I was just going to just touch on a couple of things. Number one, sure. um, entrainment. I think a lot of people that are listening have probably experienced that before, but may not be aware. And th- what I think of it is um, that moment when you're at a concert where the band is singing that song that everybody knows and then they they come off the mic and they hold the mic out to the audience and all of the audience is singing it in unison and there's a there's a certain feeling that you feel because you feel at one with not only the people around you but with the music as well as with the band it there there feels like a collectiveness a unity there that's invisible but everybody senses into it and i Am I right in saying yeah. that's kind of entrainment? <laughs> yeah, it absolutely, and it's and it's electrifying, right? And it feels it, really good. It yeah. feels really good, and it's something we don't get much of in our daily lives, and if you, particularly in our modern lives, right? And I won't get into a whole dissertation about that. However, yeah, there's we- not a lot of drum circles at the end of my street. I have to say. <laughs> The other thing I was going to ask you about a little bit was about the vibrational level, because um, I've studied the chakras, um, I've been studying, you know, quantum healing, quantum physics, vibrational levels, you know, we're all energy vibrating at different levels. And from what I understood about drumming was that it really resonates or mimics the vibrational levels felt at the root chakra, Mm -hmm. energetic or spiritual energy center of our body, which is connected with generally things like family, Mm -hmm. um, safety, Mm -hmm. security, whether that's financial or feeling safe uh, with the people you're around. It's, it's very tribal. And I, I don't mean that um, in a, in a, a non-literal sense. I mean that very literally, yeah. like you feel deeply connected to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so can you talk a little bit more about the vibrational levels that are, that go on in the drum circle and what do they do at the brain level? Well, you're absolutely right about the the chakra, the root chakra piece. And as far as the vibrational energy, I we've had circles where you ha- and I will preface this by saying I host drum circles a lot. <laughs> and one of the most beautiful parts about these community events is you don't know who's going to come. And there are some days when the energy, the collective energy is very low and we all tend to get drawn to the lowest point. It's really interesting. So no matter however my energy is as facilitator, I can be getting everybody together and entrained. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be able to raise the collective vibration because we meet each other where where we're at and if if we are at a low energy level at the lowest level we're going to spend some time there like if that's the if that's the um majority say of the attendance right and that's not necessarily a bad thing it's just honoring the space that we're all in for that for that particular time 
And other days you come and, and you can just feel it right away. Even as people are setting up their drums, you feel this sort of buzz of excitement that everybody's just ready to drum and they're ready to party and they're ready to have a good time. And in other instances, it might be just that folks have had a hard week and man, I just want to drum this out. I just want to get it out. I want to get that out of my head. I want to get it all this energy out of my body. And so the energy has to go somewhere. So it's going to go into the circle. Um, but I think that from a frequency level, there's the, the vibrations in the physical body actually has a healing, has healing properties. So we know that vibrational therapy is a thing, (laughs) um, that movement, getting the, the, the blood flowing, getting the oxygen pumping. And so all of those systems in our body, what do they all have in common? They all are ruled by rhythm. From our breath to the blood flowing through our veins, you know, the cadence of our walk. And then when you look around, obviously in nature, we've got rhythms everywhere from the the obvious one being the seasons and the moon, of course. Um, but then there's the the patterns in which we behave with the people in our lives. And so all of these things operate in a rhythmic manner. And so bringing that all into play in our bodies you start to have the synaptic activity that happens when you drum, right? So when you're doing something new and you fire up those passageways, that's when you have the most flexibility in your brain. And you probably know all of this. So I don't want to <laughs> speak to you Keep like that. Keep talking. Know, I love hearing it. I love, <laughs> I'm, I'm a brain nerd. I love, um, I love learning more about the neuroplasticity of our brains because like you said, a lot of what tends to happen to us when we get into rhythms and routines of our own, whether they're good or bad, mm-hmm. sometimes we get locked in and thinking, well, this is all there is. Mm-hmm. But our brains are really capable of changing at any point in our life. Right. Physically. Um, and we have to have some sort of catalyst, mm-hmm. um, whether it's drumming or something else to mm-hmm. stir it. And the thing I thought of when you said, you know, when we start something new, I thought, oh, when we start something new, it's a mess. And I was thinking about all those little neurons firing in our brain. They're trying to figure out some order, right? They're trying to figure out where to connect and what's the right thing, like what you were saying about, I want to be a good drummer. So we're getting some feedback like, oh, that doesn't sound like I'm on rhythm with her. And we're, we're... uh, confusion is actually a state of learning. That's mm-hmm. that's what I always remind myself when it feels like a big giant mess in my head. I'm like, nope, nope, you're onto something. <laughs> yes. And that is a really good point because it doesn't matter how well you do the thing, whether it's dancing or drumming or any activity that involves movement and, and learning something new, you are creating new synaptic connections. And so whether you, if you learn a dance routine that somebody else has already created, but you're new to dancing, you're still, even though you're not making it up, you're still tapping into that part of your brain that is, uh, and the more, and the more of your body that's involved, the better, because then you engage more of the brain, right? That's why I use dancing as a good example and drumming, which is also very physical. So you don't even have to be good at it. And this is what I tell people all the time when they're nervous about drumming. It's like, you don't have to be good. We don't, we don't, it's hard to say that without saying we don't expect you to be good. No, I'm not saying we don't expect you to be good, but it's not about 
being good at the thing. It's about saying what you want to say on the drum. Um, but back to, back to your point, we were talking about the, um, Ah, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> the vibrations, the vibration the vibrations. and the connection to the brain. Yeah. Cause that's what I'm curious about what you've actually learned about why the drumming was healing. Like mm-hmm. how did it heal what you went through? Because again, I can kind of parse it out and I'm like, well, she was dealing with a root chakra issue because it was around safety and security with her partner and finances and all of that. And so she intuitively went towards drumming and drumming is root chakra oriented, but what's the connecting part? Like how did, how did you, how did you go through that healing or how did you make the connection that it was healing you? Well, I think for me, it had a lot to do with creating those new pathways and new ways to think about things. So by doing the drumming, challenging my brain to integrate, because and, and that's the other amazing thing about drumming, you're doing left and right brain integration. So that is even going to further stimulate dislodging any rewired patterns. And so when I think about it in retrospect, there's really a time where I felt just so strong because I I started to really think about things differently. And I started to have those realizations of, I don't have to do it this way. My marriage doesn't have to look like what my parents' marriage looked like. And I will say my parents have been married 51 years. So, I mean, kudos to them. However, (laughs) it was going to be different for me. Um, but I think ultimately when you dislodge those neural pathways, and I love the the metaphor of the rut when you're skiing, right? You're just creating this rut and wearing it over and over and over again. And it's hard to, to hop out of that and try something new. But when you're setting up these new synaptic highways in your brain where the neurons have different paths in which to traverse, then it makes you start to create new thoughts. It stimulates your cognitive function, your memory. It makes you feel braver and more courageous because you are <laughs> in those moments, right? You have stimulated something that may have been been dormant. And I know for me, I was always brave and courageous. I was fearless when I was, you know, going through up to that point in my life. And then something happened that I felt stuck. So getting myself unstuck by challenging myself through this activity, not knowing that I was actually rewiring my brain. And drumming isn't the only modality that utilizes rhythm for this purpose. And this is what's so amazing about the technology. Like you said, we're learning more about neuroplasticity than we've ever known before, where we actually can. The brain is incredibly flexible. And I will really always go back to thinking about the roots, the the ancient civilizations that didn't have the science. However, they had the tradition so embedded in their culture and and they didn't have to have the science. But what we've seen now, the more modern we've gotten, the more disconnected we've become, the more out of touch we've become with, of course, moving and being around other people and telling stories and sharing these, these moments together on a regular basis, right? Imagine if that was a part of your 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 just daily life, right? To sit around the fire and share stories. And so drumming has become that in our modern world and in the, in the, in the ways that I like to utilize it is creating a space for telling your story without having to say a word. I'm going to let that just hang in the air 
because I think there's a lot of people out there right now, Susie, that are frustrated for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of wonky stuff going on. There's a lot of change that we've all experienced in the last year and a half. And there's, there's people that say to me many times, like, um, gosh, you, you, you were able to express what I wasn't able to say, like when I'm working with clients. Um, and I think there's a lot of throat chakra blocking. <laughs> I think there's been a lot of people that have been shut down for a long time, or they get dismissed, or they get told that they're wrong. Um, there's a lot of judgment being thrown around right now, because we have a lot of polarization and a lot of different views. And so what a beautiful activity to offer to people that they can literally physically come together, they can express whatever they need to. That example that you gave where you were having what I would call a a drumming potluck. Everybody shows up and they're bringing different energies. And then you start to form this collective energy. You start to notice whether it's low or medium or high. And that's where you stay because that's what's needed for the people who are there. Mm -hmm. And they're able to express themselves in a whole nother way that's judgment-free, and they're able to tell a story. They're able to wail on that drum if they're really angry that they lost their job, or they're able to joyfully pound on that drum because some restriction somewhere has been lifted and they finally feel alive again. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, most people that I know don't like to speak publicly. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily, I know a few good singers, but um, most people (laughs) like to sing. So, expressing our stories vocally is not everyone's favorite option. So Mm -hmm. this is such an amazing option to offer people that's really unique. And I know it's a really big thing to bring up right now, but I'll just touch upon it. But we're learning so much more now about how we store trauma in our body, right? Whether it's short-term or long-term, how we hold it in our body. And I will say from personal experience this year, I have learned a lot about how I hold tension in my body. And so for me, drumming has been a really great outlet for that in the short term. However, the physical act of moving your body while having the brain activity of navigating left and right brain because one of the things I see so much happen in the drum circle environment, and especially in my classes, is you see that person challenge themselves to do the thing that they thought was hard, but then they get it and they know it, and then they know they can do it. And then you have, I I, I often will, this happens a lot when you're drumming, where you realize that you're doing the hard thing, and then you can't do the hard thing anymore. Right. Because you're overthinking it. You're overthinking you look it. down. Yeah, yeah. You look down and you're pedaling. You're finally pedaling without the 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 the, the little training wheels. And yep. you're like, oh, I'm doing the thing. And then you crash right in, you know, in front of your friend. Exactly. On the sidewalk. Yeah. And so I like <laughs> to create a very safe crash pad, right? You can just crash all you want. But I can see people when they're having those aha moments and it manifest physically in their body. I can see it on their face. I can see it in the way their shoulders relax. And it's a beautiful thing. And I know it because I still experience it every time I drum. And particularly in the in the leadership role that I have chosen and am honored to have in the community settings, I have a certain standard for myself. And sometimes I have to remind myself, it's okay if you screw up a little bit. You're not perfect. Nobody's expecting you to be perfect, but it it kind of 
reminds myself reminds me of what other folks might be feeling particularly if they're new to it so there's healing all around it really you know mm-hmm. there's having a sense of humor about your inability or ability there's keep keeping um uh you know surprising yourself with what you may not have realized you can do and that just feels good Releasing and can, perfectionism, yes, <laughs> which I think many, many, many of us, and I would say all of us struggle with. And um, one of my favorite outcomes, I've had several people come to me and tell me that they came to my drum circle because they were curious and they wanted to check it out and they came by themselves and they were scared at first, but they felt so welcome. And then it inspired them to other acts of bravery in their life outside the circle. And to me, like what what else is there? Like, what more can I ask for? Like, if that's what you're getting out of this experience, then man, keep drumming, keep it going. That I believe is the definition of empowerment is that you create a place where people feel so confident that they can take that energy and do other things with it. And they inspire me right back, which is, which is what, keeps it going. But I mean, it's important to acknowledge, and I have to remind myself of this too, the healing doesn't necessarily stop when you feel, just because you start to feel better, right? Because sometimes these things show up in different ways and you have to see it, look at it and go, oh yeah, you don't have any power. Like we've already dealt with this, move on. So that's what I like about the drumming too. It's it's sustainable. (laughs) I can just Well, and it sounds like you can use it and apply it to different things that you are working on. And um, from what you're telling me, I'm hearing a lot of um, right and left brain qualities that get integrated. So our left brains tends to be very problem solving oriented, very, very hypercritical. It's survival mode. So it's always looking for what in the hell is going to go wrong now. Mm -hmm. And then our right brain brings in those qualities like you're talking about that you see come out of the circle, mm-hmm. the courageousness, the bravery, the self-compassion, the intuition, the creativity. Mm-hmm. And so from what I know about right and left brain activity is it builds a thicker band in between the two, the corpus callosum it goes down the center. I could be wrong on the name of it, but I hope that's it. Um, if not, it's in the show notes. Um, and, and as soon as we thicken that, we're basically making those two halves work better as a whole. Mm-hmm. And they're able to communicate from one side mm-hmm. to the other. I'm, I'm moving my hands, listeners, as if you can see me, but I'm, <laughs> I'm moving them back and forth and making, you know, intertwining my fingers like you can see that everything comes together. But that's, that's really what I'm right. hearing. And then that has benefits to our body at the cellular level. I mean, we have research now that blood sample tests that were taken uh, from group drumming participants over the course of several uh, sessions, and we actually saw a boost in the immune system. We've seen heart rate, um, you know, blood pressure reduction. We've seen an increase in the killer cells that fight off uh, disease. We have seen, of course, the you know the overall relaxation element, uh, which is what everybody says they come away feeling because you're getting out of your beta and into your alpha where you can relax and you're not in that go 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 problem solving mode. A different. And then uh, she's referring to different brain waves, so alpha brain waves versus beta brain waves, different function uh, functionings of our brain. Yes, sorry, I should have. 
that's and right. then, uh, <laughs> and that's what you're feeling in your body too. And so I'd love to be able to now be able to connect it to the fact that there's actually something happening. It's not your imagination. But when we look at the ancients and the shamanic practices where they were utilizing drumming in, you know, uh, meditative capacity or in worship services or in different ways where you're looking, talking about transcendence, that is really what we're talking about, getting that, getting your brain to that space where you can get out of your head and into your body. And of course, there's lots of ways to do that, right? Meditation, yoga, running, pick your poison. But for me, it's the drum. <laughs> it is the drum. So I would love to hear your definition of healing. And it can involve the, the word drum if you'd like, but um, how would you define that, Susie? Well, I think it is a little more encompassing than the drum for me. And I will say I attribute it more to rhythm, which the origins of the word rhythm, if you go back to the Greek origins, <laughs> actually means to flow. And we all know what that feels like when we're in the flow, right? When things are in alignment, things are connecting, whether it's just in your daily relationships. I always think about it when it's that like skipping, like doo -doo -doo, just happy, feeling good, right? To me, being in rhythm, being in the flow uh, is, is how I know that I am in a healing space. And that can be physically, that can be mentally, that can be emotionally. But if I feel uh, uh, like stuck, lots of blockages in terms of I can't get out of my own way or something has to shift, something has to get aligned. And so I will turn to one of those things that allows me to get back in rhythm. And like we mentioned earlier, it's usually having to do with moving my body or drumming. And um, luckily drumming kind of covers both of those. So that helps. Beautiful. Now, there's probably some listeners out there that might be struggling with something. It could be a mind, a body, heart, or soul issue. Is there anything that you would like to share with them about how you tapped into your own intuition and just anything you'd like to share that might help facilitate their own healing? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think because we do live in such a fast paced, go, go, go type of world. And I know that sounds very cliche, but it's the truth. And I have to make conscious efforts to slow down and I'm not always successful. But I think it's very important to take time to just sit with your body and listen to what your body is trying to tell you in its physical, in its physical self. Because I've been very fortunate to have good health my most of my life. And in recent months with, like you mentioned earlier, the stress of the last year and lots of so many uncertainties and whatnot, for me, it's showed up physically in my body. And I had to address it because it was so abnormal for me to feel physically different, you know? Um, so I think it's important not to ignore that. I think we we can be very 
And that doesn't mean I'm saying run off, go to the doctor and, and find out what's going on, but feel what's going on in your body and honor that and begin with movement, whether it's walking or just standing up and moving your arms around. I mean, something where you're physically getting things flowing in your physical body um, can be, it's such a simple, simple thing, but our bodies were meant to move. You know, we weren't really meant to be sitting in front of a computer, sitting in cars, you know, we were supposed to be mobile units um, with lots of rest time. I'm going to try to take my own advice on that one, get more sleep. But yes, lots of rest time and plenty of movement and pay attention as you're doing as you're doing the movement and see what shows up for you emotionally. And that will lead you down, I think, a pretty um, honest path. Marvelous. I think that's great. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. I appreciate you. Thank you. This was really, really interesting. And thank you for your insightful questions and helping me see things in a way maybe I hadn't considered before. Absolutely. If you have come this far, I want to thank you so much for the gift of your attention. To hear more amazing healing stories, please subscribe. This podcast has been brought to you by the Hearts of Healing Center. It's a nonprofit organization dedicated to bringing more light, love, healing, and hope by freely offering holistic healing services to our local and global community. To learn more about us and to see more details from today's episode, be sure to check out the show notes. And don't forget, you are more than your body. You are more than your mind. You are the guru. And the guru is you.